Welcome to The Loop with Stan Guthrie. As an author and communicator, Stan offers a critical and often humorous look at the day's issues, all from a distinctly Christian perspective. From his home studio in Chicagoland, where it snows far too often for his tastes, Stan cheerfully takes on all comers in a culture that is losing its mind without losing his. And now, here is Stan Guthrie. Before I get into the meat of this podcast, let me say a few words about abortion. As I record this podcast, we're on the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, and we saw the 50th annual March for Life on Washington. So it's appropriate that I say that after all this time, abortion is still an issue, even though by God's grace and some Good men and women on the Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade, was overturned last summer. But the work is not finished, not by a long shot. Since Roe versus Wade legalized abortion on demand across these 50 states, we've had about 60 or 61 million legal abortions in this country. There was about a 30-year trend up until about 2019 in which abortion was declining because of things like increased availability and access to ultrasounds through changes in state laws, changing attitudes among young people who realized that they were survivors of abortion. But in the last few years, that rate has ticked back up. Thankfully, according to some statistical analysis by the Charlotte Lozier Institute, after Roe versus Wade was overturned, uh, the United States actually saw the number of abortions decline by about 10,000 from the expected number after that court decision was announced and handed down. Let's just say that abortion is a live issue still. It played a big role in the midterms and in some ballot initiatives. And the fact is the Democratic Party has become ever more welded to abortion. They see that as a road to political power. One of their biggest voting blocks in favor of abortion is single and young women who no longer see marriage and family as the way to a stable and productive life, or at least it's certainly more secondary than it was. Instead, they rely on the government. And one of the things that the government does, according to their new value system, is give them access to quote-unquote health care, meaning abortion. So we've got a lot of work to do still 50 years on from Roe versus Wade, which was overturned. We had many tens of thousands or more at the March for Life. And for that, we can give thanks, and it's right to give thanks. But let's keep going because, <laughs> unfortunately, abortion is like a fungus that just won't go away. We need to keep winning hearts and minds. We need to keep making our arguments. It's not all going to be one in the legal realm, but it is something that by God's grace, I think if we can have a change of heart in the culture, we can see it become less and less. And let's just keep fighting, but let's do it with a smile on our face.
I'd like to share with you a few thoughts on Drew Barrymore and the unlikely pursuit of sexual purity. Many of us probably became aware of actress Drew Barrymore when she played Gertie, the little girl in Steven Spielberg's 1982 blockbuster, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. In many ways, Drew's life has been an otherworldly jaunt into Hollywood fame, fortune, and folly. And now, older and wiser, she appears to be taking some tentative steps on the path towards something better, something Christians might recognize as the pursuit of sexual purity. Some people are born with silver spoons in their mouths. Drew, who was born in 1975, had not only a silver spoon, but the whole tea service. Like a British princess, she was born into acting royalty, but hers was no fairy tale upbringing. Drew's allegedly abusive father, acclaimed actor John Drew Barrymore, left home when she was only six months old. In Drew's autobiography, Little Girl Lost, she describes a troubled childhood. A regular at the Studio 54 nightclub, rehab at age 13, a three-month stay with singer David Crosby, who just passed away, and his wife, because, Crosby said, she needed to be around some people that were committed to sobriety. At age 15, she successfully petitioned for legal emancipation and moved into her own apartment. The film roles and media appearances kept coming, though. Firestarter, Saturday Night Live, Gun Crazy, Scream, Doppelganger, Bad Girls, and No Place to Hide, among many others. Often critically acclaimed for her versatility and talent, Drew's personal life remained messy. She went through a series of engagements and marriages, the longest of which lasted only four years. Eventually, she claimed to be a bisexual. Now, however, Drew appears to be having second thoughts about a lot of things. She has publicly embraced sobriety. On her show, she admitted that she has abstained from sexual relations since 2016, when she broke up with her husband, Will Koppelman. And on a recent podcast, Drew admitted that her former way of life didn't bring fulfillment. Drew admits that she has finally discovered the difference between love and sex. Quote, I have just simply come to laugh about the fact that it is not my personal priority to be with a partner, she says. That doesn't mean I won't become one someday. I need time. And my view on sex has truly changed. Drew added that she does not hate sex, but has realized that, quote, love and sex are simply not the same thing. Well, in today's increasingly pagan culture, Christians are frequently mocked for a Bible-based belief that sex is reserved solely for marriage between one man and one woman. God's standards given for our flourishing look impossibly strict to a lost world. Our critics insist, even demand, that sex be unchained, and that everyone be encouraged to indulge their appetites however they wish, like Drew did. Pursuing sexual purity is a very practical way to shine the light of God's kingdom into a dark world and testify that sex cannot ultimately fulfill us. Only God can do that. As the late great Jonathan Edwards observed, the enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. In their own way, the complicated stories of people such as Drew Barrymore provide compelling evidence for the truth of God's word. The lost souls who tell them deserve our compassion. More than that, they need to hear the good news of a Savior who came to a messy and sin-scarred world in answer to our every search.
And now it's time for some Chicago and Illinois headlines interspersed occasionally with comments by me. Chicago homeowner held burglar at sword point until cops arrived. Well, I guess they're going to have to outlaw swords as well. Here's one that's not quite Chicago, but I think you'll like it anyway. Rob Reiner grilled for praising Biden as a decent law-abiding person. Well, Mr. Reiner, you keep using those words. I don't think they mean what you think they mean. When caught red-handed asking community college students to volunteer for her re-election campaign for mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot allowed, it was clearly a mistake. Actually, Ms. Lightfoot, I think the clear mistake was electing you to the post in the first place. Another headline, 16-year-old carjacked 12 people in less than seven hours, Chicago police say. Another headline, Illinois Democrats vote for 17% lawmaker pay hike to 85,000, even as their constituents struggle. Another headline, Illinois cell phone taxes, nearly 35% of the bills. Number one in the United States. Overall, Chicago crime up 41% in 2022, even though homicides are down 14%. And that's it for headlines. We'll try to have some more cheerful ones next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on The Loop with Stan Guthrie.